1: What is up, everyone, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swart, and today, everyone, we have a really cool guest. His name is David Orozco. Uh, he is a—he's got his master's in nutrition, but that is just scratching the surface of his journey. He's a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's got his bachelor's—he has his bachelor's degree um, in psych and uh, physiology or psychology. We'll get into it. He'll—he'll he'll correct me here in a second. Um, and he. Went off to start or help take over for his family business and a travel agency, hated that, went and worked at Emory Bariatrics for a little while. The guy's been all over the place and he's really doing some really incredible things for the clients that he gets to work for on a daily basis. So uh, without any further ado, David, welcome to the podcast, my man.
2: Hey, Jacob. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really uh, excited to get our chat going and I really appreciate you for having me on.
1: Yeah, of course. Oh man, I couldn't wait to get you on the podcast. You've got some really cool uh, viewpoints on uh, nutrition uh, and, and, and a lot of healthier approaches to uh, what you eat. Uh, You know, you made a comment, we were kind of talking before. I thought it was really interesting. You're working with a client and you're essentially telling her like, don't worry about weight loss. (laughs) Like that's not what you, that's not what you're really looking for anyway. You know, and I feel like that philosophy can be applied to so many different things, you know, like, uh, it's us in the, in the rehab world or in the strength and conditioning world, like, don't worry about the numbers. Like, uh, they'll come, you know, uh, you just gotta, you're, you're more focused on the journey. Right. Um, yeah, right. and those results kind of come up. So, um, I know I did a really horrible job of your intro here. So, uh, what, <laughs> let's, uh, let's kind of dive into it. So serial entrepreneur. So it makes sense that you are, that you are the owner of TD wellness, mm-hmm. um, and have been for 15 years. That's quite an accomplishment there. So congrats on that. Thank um, you. but what was so you went from uh, being in the travel industry to yeah. owning your own nutrition company? What is what has that journey been like?
2: Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, so, just to back up, you asked about the exercise physiology. So, I'm exercise physio- phys- physiologist yeah. through the American uh, Excuse me, the American College of Sports Medicine. So, ACSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really just a fancy word for uh, being a personal trainer and doing fitness classes. Okay. Uh, so that's what that stands for. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, to more specific to your question, I actually to back up a little bit, I was always interested in science and so when I went to college, I knew I wanted to get into science. I didn't know if I wanted to do medicine or if I wanted to do research. But I graduated yeah. with a degree in biology, didn't get into medicine, and then the family business called. My whole family, almost every single person in my family, with maybe the exception of my dad for a small period of time, were entrepreneurs. They had businesses all over the place. And so that's all I knew. I knew how to be your own boss. And so when I got out of college, um, I went right into the family travel business because I did it part-time while I was going to school and I knew it really well. And so I knew what to do. So it was easy to fall right into it. But mm-hmm. I hated it. Uh, essentially, yeah. I just I despised it. Don't get me wrong. I love traveling. I yeah. just don't want to do it for people. <laughs> yeah,
1: do it yeah. For I was me. gonna say, what did, what, what did you what did you hate about it? Was it was it always planning like other people's vacations? I feel like I would have FOMO every single day of my life
2: when yeah. I worked. I work know up, I it sounds it sounds like fun, but you know it's very very important to get almost every single detail right. You know, you plan this great holiday, great vacation for someone, and maybe because the hotel didn't do turnover service, mm. they come back complaining that that's the one thing that they were really looking for. <laughs> you 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 set up this incredible vacation, and it's just so unsatisfying, you know. So yeah, but that that was one part. The other thing is just my heart was somewhere else. I mean, I yeah, I just I didn't like it. I love traveling, but I just you know, I didn't really want to uh, do travel, I, I wanted to do science. And I, so I dabbled in nutrition quite a bit. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. reading a lot of books. And I started doing diets. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to get a, a nutrition degree. And then right around the same time, my mother was diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, my man. father then was shortly diagnosed with uh, high blood pressure and, and, and high cholesterol. They were both in heavy bodies. And so at that time, I thought, I'm going to cure them. So yeah. let me get my master's in nutrition. Well, this is great. I'm going to get to use my science. I mean, this is great. I had mm-hmm. no clue whatsoever what I was getting <laughs> into. None whatsoever. The rigor of our nutrition program, the didactic program, and then the inter- internship plus the exam that we have, our boards plus continuing education that we have to keep up with. The rigor is intense, extremely competitive. Only people that are type A and get like 3.8 or higher GPAs have even a remote chance to get into these programs. I didn't know any of that. And you know... (laughs) Back in college, I, had, I think I barely scraped by with a 3.0, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, there was uh, a
1: saying, right? Like it was, like uh, my parents said, like, uh, you know, C's to degrees, baby, that's what you wanted, right? Like, <laughs> Right, 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 right. I mean, that's perfect, yeah.
2: exactly what I wanted to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be this nutrition expert. And then my mom, so, uh, shortly after, um, before getting my uh, intern, or excuse me, starting my program, uh, my mother was then diagnosed with colon cancer. And so she fought that for a while. And then right when I started my program, she was really just starting going, starting to go downhill. And then uh, during my program, she actually passed away. And so that oh, was man. hard. That was really, 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 really hard. So in my mind, it really only catapulted or really amplified the reason why I'm doing this. And so yeah. I was so gung-ho. I mean, I had a better than 4.0 GPA in my master's program. And I was like top in my class and I was getting awards. and And I mean- I thought I was the bomb. You know, I thought that I was all that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get out to the workforce and it's like reality hits you. It's like, oh, For sure. wow, yeah, <laughs> this is a lot different than what I expected. I, uh, cert- uh, I certainly had a different idea of what that meant. Um, I thought I was going to get into sports nutrition, but then... Um, weight concerns really started honing in on, uh, on, me. Um, I don't know, maybe it, it had something to do with my mother and my father. Uh, my father's health started deteriorating a little bit after that as well. And so I got a job with Emory Bariatrics and mm. I helped people do both surgical and non-surgical weight loss programs, non-surgical okay. think Optifast, what, op, what Oprah did. And so I started seeing something that was weird. I was working there and I've started seeing 80% of the participants were coming back. Yeah. Especially for the non-surgical part. And then um, the surgical part, I started seeing people that already had the surgery come back three to five years later, Mm -hmm. get adjustments or changes, or at that time the lap band was very popular. uh, And so then they would get the lap band removed and then get another surgery done. And so I decided, okay, I got to leave. I, I really wanted to start my own business. So I started my own business a year and a year and a half later. And then I started working. I even started my own weight loss program with a physician and I had a fitness pro component to it and I had mindful eating component behind it and I had uh, tests and uh, because I had that certification, that fitness certification, I was able to do a lot of the fitness for people. I had machines. I mean, it was like the full, the whole nine yards. I had one-on-one, group sessions, uh, weekly, so on and so forth. And then yeah. fast forward two years after that, I started seeing the same thing. These people started coming back to me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And then another thing, thing I started noticing is that I would ha- work with people one-on-one. And especially when it came to weight, they would seem to do, quote-unquote, I'm using air quotes here, Better, mm-hmm. they'd lose they'd lose the weight, or they were eating supposedly the way they were supposed to in order to lose the weight. But then at some point they would stop. It would they they would say, David, you know this is not working, or I don't understand what's going on, or I'm not losing weight. Maybe I should just here. So I was doing calorie changes and meal plans and diets, and and I was throwing the book at it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then one day a friend told me, oh you know you should read Intuitive Eating. I was like, Intuitive Eating, what's that? <laughs> So yeah. I picked up the book. This is a book that was written by the auth- co-authors, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. They are dietitians as well. And when I read the book, I was just floored. It has yeah. 10 principles, like rejecting the diet mentality, making peace with food, um, Uh, challenging the food police, honoring your hunger, understanding your fullness, uh, respecting satisfaction, getting better movement, coping with kindness, uh, gentle nutrition, all of these aspects. And I was like, wow, this blew me away. Yeah. So I just shifted. So it was around 2013, 2014. I just started shifting at that point. I went all in, weight inclusive, anti-diets, intuitive eating health at every size, uh, approaches with my clients. And that's just really changed my world. And so that's what ended up getting to me to getting to where I am now. TD wellness, by the way, is going through a brand change. It's yeah. actually going to be called Orozco nutrition going forward. So, Oh,
1: nice. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, Dude, so man, I, um, I don't know a ton about intuitive eating. It's a buzzword that's definitely flying around right now. It and is just off the, off the, uh, 10 principles that you kind of listed off there, which is impressive by the way. Um, yeah, thanks. yeah I, I really enjoy, I really agree with, uh, like the psychological approach to nutrition is what it sounds like they've kind of really done there. Um, is that, is that a fair statement or is it kind of, does it sound like it's kind of taking the whole emphasis of, cause look, here's, it's the same thing with exercise, or a rehab program. So being, you know, have, being a physical therapist, like uh, I have people walk in in all different phases of life. And a lot of times there's, there's a lot of people that we've had just like full hour long conversations about nothing but stress management or how to get better sleep. And that's way more impactful than any type of like uh, shoulder rotator cuff strengthening drill I can give them. Right. So um, it's, it's kind try, of trying to, it sounds like you're trying to have nutrition um, be just that nutrition instead of like this whole concept of dieting um, and having it kind of meet you where you're at in life a little bit better than just trying to tell people how, what, what, for, what type of mold they should fit.
0: Yeah. Is that yeah.
1: fair? Is that a fair uh, uh, statement? Or is it yeah. sure it's much deeper than that? It is
2: a lot deeper than that. Um, yeah. It's interesting because I often tell people what I do is simple. It's just not easy.
1: Yeah. Um, I love and that's- that saying.
2: W- that's where the depth come from, comes from. Yeah. You know? So there's this depth and then there's this breadth to it. But yeah. the concept itself is simple. It's just, it's in simplicity, getting to simplicity, making things look easy is actually really, really hard. It's like when sure. you see an uh, acrobatist or when you see a contortionist or you see a, a wrestler or you see a you know, pole vulture, they make it look so easy.
1: Yeah, right. I got a better one for you, or another one for you. Golfing. Yeah, <laughs> the, right. You, they make it look so easy. I'm so getting bad at a little at sport. A little ball like that into a tiny <laughs> hole. Right.
2: <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I jokingly say that I I I uh, I'm an expert at hooks and and slices. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I got that slice down to a T. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Literally to a T. Um, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, So uh, intuitive eating is just a little bit more than um, psychological nutrition. Intuitive eating is essentially an understanding of your body's needs and wants. Mm -hmm. It is a way of introspection awareness, which means that you are more aware of your physiological signaling of your body as well as the emotional signaling of your body. I often tell people that nutrition or eating, let's just really focus in on eating. Eating is two, two main components. The reason why we eat is two main components. There's a physiological need to eat and there's an emotional need to eat. So I call this need, sure. want, or want, need.
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: body will communicate to you with one or the other if you're not giving it enough or if you're giving it too much. Yeah. And so intuitive eating, intuitive eating, what it does is it isn't just the psychology, but it's more of an awareness, a deeper awareness of what your body is needing and wanting. I'll give you an example, right? Um, this is another client that I had just the other day. One of the things that the, he was talking about is, well, you know, I have this thing about ice cream. And if I eat ice cream, I'm just going to eat the whole pint. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well- the way intuitive eating works is go ahead and have the whole pint. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like, wait, what, David, are you serious? Yeah. The problem is not the fact that you're overeating the whole pint of ice cream. Mm -hmm. The fact is is that you've been restricting and telling yourself you're not allowed to have it, or you've been telling yourself I'm bad for having that. That's going to make me fat, or that's not going to make me healthy, or I'm a bad person for having that. Where intuitive eating comes in is, There's a neutrality to all this. Food doesn't have a moral value. Yeah. Food is essentially about how we enjoy life and the response that we get from our bodies from that. Yeah. Fundamentally, there's an energy in that. And again, energy comes from both the actual physiological uh, energy, you know, food having a caloric value. And then there's the emotional energy introvert, Mm -hmm. extroverts, getting their energy and recharging, so on and so forth. So that's sort of intuitive eating, but it does vary from person to person and how it's done. It is not a diet. Mm -hmm. It is not co-opt for weight loss. It is not mindful eating. Mindful eating is part of intuitive eating. It is not a backdoor to getting healthy, which... I use that in air quotes as well, because healthy has a lot of stigma behind it as well. So um, yeah. that's kind of where that intuitive eating all falls in.
1: Yeah. So then I love that. But like, How do you get, um, I'm sure you get pushback sometimes from your clients. Like, what do you mean it's okay for me to get this whole pint of ice cream? Like, <laughs> what do you yeah, talking about? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah, 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 all the time. Uh,
2: and I tell them, yeah, because the only way that you're going to get past this ice cream thing is to get past it. Yeah. And the, the more you tell yourself you can't have it or you buy ice cream, that's not ice cream, this, you know, faux ice cream, uh, <laughs> things that really aren't made from milk, you know, Yeah. Uh, the more you try to trick your body, you're trying to, your body's going to, you can't outwit your body. You, you yeah. just can't. Fair. There's no way. Um, yeah. So uh, we, yeah, uh, strikingly uh, head towards the ice cream is it received very well? No, I'm going to be quite honest. Like there's a good number of people that are like, Oh no, no, this is not for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try something else. And again, that's their belief that, Oh, this is a backdoor into weight loss. So they're already coming at, at the idea of intuitive eating with, Oh, you know, maybe this is a sneaky way or a a different way. This is what's going to work for me, you know, in air quotes again. And it's not, yeah,
1: Yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's health a lot like, uh, as a lot like being in business, it's kind of like this infinite game, right. Where, uh, it's this constant journey that you're on. You never make it with your health, so to speak, right? Like if your are if your overall goal is to, uh, you know, in quotes, be healthy, like, what does that mean? What does that look like to you? Right. Um, it's the same thing when we're writing training programs for people, or we're trying to do like the rehab process, like, I mean, how much tissue capacity do you need, you know, like, is it, uh, and then once you reach a certain goal, like, uh, that's going to change. Right. Um, but that's really cool. So then what, uh, so it sounds like something that was very frustrating for you early on in your career, um, both like early on with TD wellness. Uh, and then also when you're over at, uh, with Emory, uh, was this whole phenomenon that would happen where people would get better and come back, get better, and come back. Have you found that, Uh, intuitive eating has been a way for you to make more long-term impact on the people that you get to work with.
2: Absolutely, by far. And just a a little correction, it's not so much that people would get better and come back, Mm -hmm. people would lose weight and then regain it. And I wanted to point that out because evidence shows that the single greatest predictor of weight gain is weight loss. So when people try to lose weight, the body has 20 different overrides or somewhere around 20 different overrides to make you gain it back. Okay. And oftentimes it'll gain it, gain it back in higher quantities. And so uh, I think the statistic is that um, uh, more than two-thirds of people that lose weight gain all the weight back and then about a third gain more of it back. And wow. so... That's what's really uh, challenging, even for people that don't gain all of the weight back. They may gain some weight back, but there are are damages that are done, like your metabolism is forever affected, and the psychological residual effects are long-term. So the frustrations I had with clients that would come back while I was at Emory was just that. I was seeing there's something going on here that... I mean, we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing, you know, what's, what's not working? Well, it's like I was saying a little while ago, your body has over 20 redundancies. Yeah. When you are not eating something, even if it's co-opt, like not having carbohydrates or eating more fats or eating more proteins, I don't want to use diet words or w- diets because I, I don't want to give them justice. Yeah. Um, what we end up doing is we don't realize We're not realizing that, yeah, it may not be a caloric deficit, but it is a food deficit. Mm -hmm. And so your body is extremely smart. It knows that it needs a combination of different foods in order for you to get your nutrients. I want to go back, circle back to one thing that you mentioned about health. And I think that's really spot on about business. It's like you never actually make it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Even people that have billions Are thinking okay how can I get better or how do I make more it's like when is it going to be enough right healthism is a terminology that clumps us in this shame type environment where if we're not healthy then there's something wrong with us and it's very stigmatizing and it's very socially injustice Mm -hmm. Um, and so um, we are creating a uh, greater burden on people because they're not reaching that health. Give you another example of that. I have clients who look like you and me who are privileged in a thin white cyst heterog- uh, heterosexual body. Well, I don't know your sex, that's me, but yeah. um, what I am talking about is we're privileged. and they still have high blood pressure. They have high they have diabetes, they have mm-hmm. high cholesterol. They're not in in, uh, a heavy body. Right. And so what do you do? Tell them to lose weight. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Right. not going to (laughs) work. Right. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when you, I was having this conversation actually with, with a trainer just the other day, but like when you get somebody's mind shift or mindset to shift and you get like uh, these goals to be a little bit more intrinsic versus like, so extrinsic of vanity, right? Or, or how much weight can I lose? Or how small can I get that, that number on the scale? Uh, it's the same thing with rehab, too. It's like, well, my shoulder hurts. So um, and it's like, well, that's not what brought you into the clinic. Uh, what brought you into the clinic is like, it hurts whenever you go to pick up your kid out of the crib. So now your life is being impacted in a certain way, because we all have pains, we all have like little aches and pains that kind of like nag us every now, every now and then. Mm-hmm. So it's not the pain that's stopping you and bring you in. It's, it's the reason why that pain is, or what's that, what is that pain impacting? And it's kind of the same thing. It sounds like with, uh, nutrition, where it's not necessarily the weight loss that we're, that we're really looking for. And in, in terms of like a, from a health standpoint, it's really a, what does, uh, what are your, what like internally, like one that like, first of all, let's start a little like psychology, like psychologically, like, how do you feel? Like, do you have a good relationship with yourself? Right. And then, uh, two, like, uh, yeah, you, you could be super spot on. Look, I'm here to tell you, people who are extremely fit. There's a difference between like fitness and health, right? Like um, a 380 pound lineman in the NFL can be a stud at his position and be and be deemed as, but like and be a super athletic individual. It's not necessarily the, but a lot of those linemen, they, what they end they end up losing a ton of weight because like for their sport or that uh, they end up losing a ton of weight because it's not healthy for them to hold on to that, even though they physically look. Dominating, right? And uh, it's the same thing with bodybuilders too. Man, a lot of bodybuilders don't—they're not like they look great, sure, um, but they are not in a, in a good spot from a, like a total health encompassing standpoint. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a huge distinction that I need to make with clients, and, and no matter what spectrum of healthcare you're kind of in. Yeah, I think.
2: I I want to push back a little bit on a couple of things that I'm hearing there. You know, you you made the example of Lyman and the bodybuilders, right? I think that when we look at our society, those are the the fringes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of Lyman in the world. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of football teams, but there's a boatload of people just in the United States alone, right? I mean, yeah. we have just maybe a few handful of NFL teams out there and college teams, while there are over 330 million people in the United States. Yeah. So, I mean, these are technically the fringes, right? So the same thing with bodybuilders, I would say, I would argue it's even more the fringe. I mean, these are just you know the 1% of 1% of people in the world, right? For sure. I mean, these are just totally different. So I think it's important to distinguish that. Because, yeah. yeah, a lot of times these linemen, these bodybuilders, they are purposely getting their bodies bigger because that's their job. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that you said is like a bodybuilder. They look great. Um mm, well, do they? <laughs> sure, I, <laughs> I mean, mean, yeah, subjective, right? That's a whole story. right, <laughs> right. And so that's that's that goes to that vanity thing too, right? Mm-hmm. In my mind, when I see a bodybuilder, I think, "Whoa, their heart must be pumping like crazy because yeah. their heart is a muscle too, and whatever yeah. got their you know biceps that way mm-hmm. is probably getting their heart that way, right?" Sure. Um. So, uh, you then said something about weight loss, uh, and then they lose a, a ton of weight. Mm, some do some mm-hmm. don't right, um, but we don't know, and so the point that I take is to me it's it's really indifferent about yeah. the weight and more of where they are in life. I'll give one example really close to your neck of the woods because this is what I would love working with you a lot more I get several clients a year that go to an orthopedist or go to a spine doctor or go to a physician and they've got a back pain or they got knee pains or they got hip pains or that they've got fibromyalgia or they've got uh, plantar fasciitis or they've got um, uh, rotator cuff problems and they are in a heavy body
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the doctor's approach is well you probably should lose weight yeah well, I've had people that have lost weight, and you know what? They still have the plantar fasciitis, the the uh, fibromyalgia, the back pain, the uh, herniated disc, the um, sh- oh, shoulder uh, rotator cuff problem, the you know knee joint issues, so on and so forth they're
1: still going to have them
2: for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh,
1: 100% it's like uh, it's, it's, it's an easy cop-out type answer. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. And so
2: I, I tell like, I'll give you another example, right. we're working with this one uh, client who, this is a couple of years back who said, well, David, you know, I'm really just doing this because um, I need knee surgery. And I said, you, you, who told you you need knee surgery? And she said, well, my primary care physician said that, you know, if I don't lose any weight in a few years, I'm just going to need knee surgery. Mm. And I said, well, how did that happen? I mean, did, did you get a scan and it, your bone or your, your <laughs> joints are touching uh, bone to bone or, and she's like, well, no, you know, I just have this pain in my knee. And I said, all right, well, let's, let's go over this. You know, it's funny because you said a little while ago that you get a client and, you know, the reason they're coming in is uh, for a joint issue, but 90% of the time you're talking about their nutrition or you're talking about their sleep or you're talking about their stress, right? It's like sure. yeah. 90% of the time talking about that kind of stuff. And so it's the same here with me. It's like, okay, so what are you doing all day? I ask her and she's like, well, you know, I, and I can see here cause we're doing uh, consults, right? And she's like, well, you know, I sit down most of the day at work and I'm like, okay, so if your weight is the problem and you're sitting down all day long, How can your knees be hurting because of your weight? Sure. Oh, well, you know, the doctor says that I'm putting all of this weight on my knees. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but the vast majority of the time you're sitting, is it more a lack of use? Yeah. Is it more something else? Because I don't know if the weight is the biggest determinant here, right? For sure. So, yeah. Will they feel a little bit better if they lose weight? I don't know. Maybe somebody might. Some people think that they do, right? Um, but okay. What happens when the, the pains come back? Cause the pains yeah. will come back. Right. Sure. Right. And yeah, so that's think, one of the challenges that I have with a lot of clients as well.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, I think at the end of the day, the moral of the story is that, uh, human beings are incredibly complex creatures, right? <laughs> like Beautiful. Yeah. you can't, you can't give like a blanket statement to somebody. If, right. if somebody is a little overweight for their body frame, uh, you can't automatically assume that their knee pain is coming from that. Uh, you know, if somebody is coming in with uh, back pain, I can't automatically assume it's because they have a weak core, you know? Um, or like I can't automatically assume that their knee pain is because they run. There's layers and there's so there's so much complexity. and if you don't spend the time to get to know that client, not necessarily, I mean sure on a personal level, but more so like almost a little bit deeper than that, right? Like I need sometimes I need details that they wouldn't share with other people um, yeah. because that's going to impact how their body is feeling and, um, it's kind of the same thing, whether that's nutrition, rehab, strength training, being an athlete, like, um, it's a holistic approach to not just like, uh, a, that's a pretty like generic term that a hot button term right now, but like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's just being, it's just giving a damn, honestly, about who right. that person is and, and what they, and what they're trying to accomplish and where they're at in life and what goals they're, they're trying to accomplish versus like what they want versus what, you know, societal pressures or uh, what the idea of what they want really is. Absolutely. Um,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, sure.
1: yeah. So, I mean, David, I love everything that, uh that you kind of talked about and that you're doing. If somebody wanted to Uh, reach out to you or find out more about your business, or if they wanted to work with you, what would be some awesome ways for them to be able to get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, the best way is my website, tdwellness.com. And they can reach out to me there. There is a contact us or make an appointment. And I'm happy to get on Zoom or on a chat by phone and 15, 20 minutes just discuss where we are and what we do. Um, I'm not really active that much on socials because I just, I'm worn out by that, but uh, yeah. I might get back to that one day, but uh, yeah, the best place would be my website. You could also check me out at info at wellness.com. So it's T like Tricia, D like David, wellness.com. So info at wellness.com or my website.
1: Awesome. David, man, you've been a wealth of knowledge on this podcast. I really appreciate uh, you giving up your time this evening and uh, everything that you're able to kind of just like give us a brief overview of what intuitive eating is. It's, it's an incredibly complex topic. So having somebody like you make it sound easy and make it sound simple is, uh, is a rarity to have. So thank you so much for your time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate your time as well.
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athlete's Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.